welcome to the ianabernethy.com podcast. In this podcast, we discuss Qatar, what makes it dead or alive. Hello everyone, I'm Ian Abernethy and thank you for listening in to the latest podcast. Um, <laughs> as again, I'll apologise by uh, for how long this has taken to get this one out. I've just been so busy recently with all the travelling and everything else uh, that I haven't managed to get it out in a, a, a timely fashion. Um, but again, you know, I'll just reassure you, podcasts are going to keep on coming even if I'm not getting them out on a once a month basis. Uh, I do have plans for the next one already, so hopefully again there won't be too long a wait this, uh, this time and I'll tell you all about that at the end of the podcast uh, just the usual kind of bits of news just to let everybody know that from the seminars front uh, i'm now fully booked for about the next kind of 14 15 months ahead um which is obviously you know it's a good position to be in and i'm pleased that everyone is so interested in what i do uh, the negative is it means it's um, very difficult to fit anyone else in and uh, you know if you do want a seminar at your place it's it's, it's going to be a wait um, so if you are interested, you know, please act sooner rather than later because it's just, just going to get a kind of longer and longer uh, waiting period. Uh, for those seminars that um, are uh, in, already booked, you know, obviously, you know, everyone's welcome at all the open seminars we put on the website. And just a reminder of how you can find out the, the details of those is uh, if you go to the website, so ianabernethy.com, click on the seminars bit at the top and just below it you'll see seminar dates. It just kind of appears when you hover your mouse over it. Click on that and then you can see all the seminars for the next kind of five or six months that are um, that are coming up. Um, if you want, you know, more um, more direct, you know, information, then there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, subscribe to the newsletters, so you know you'll get to know about all the seminars via the newsletters. And of course, there are uh, Facebook and Twitter as well, which I use um, quite a lot these days. And uh, just one thing to be aware of with uh, Facebook is. Obviously, I run a page, and Facebook decides what it's going to put on into your newsfeed by judging what you like and dislike. So, um, the more often you click like on my post, the more often that my material will appear in your feed. Because I send the information out regularly, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get to see it. Um, so, if you do want to know about the seminars and you want to make sure you don't miss anything, then obviously click like on a, a regular basis. And for those who follow on Twitter, one thing that you can also do is to remember to knock your notifications on for uh, at Ian Abernethy. And that will mean that as well as them just appearing as part of your feed, you'll get a a designated kind of message saying, you know, that um, uh, I've just put a new tweet out. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully, again, you'll find that uh, a useful way to keep abreast of what's going on. And one other thing that may be of interest as well to the kind of uh, more hardcore um, <laughs> uh, bunkai aficionados is what I, I have done is I've set up a Twitter feed that picks up the RSS feed from my website which means whenever I edit anything new to the website or whenever anyone starts a new forum topic, uh, it will automatically tweet that out. Um, so if you want to make sure that you're up to the minute with everything that's going on, then uh, that may be um, something you want to think about. So that's found at at uh, Ian Abber, spelled I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R, dot com, as in spell out the dot, D-O-T, um, com. So uh, at ianabba.com. Uh, if you subscribe to that Twitter feed, and again, if you knock the notifications on, you'll get to know about uh, everything that happens on the website as soon as it's added as well. So 
so I think that's about it, really, for this introduction. So uh, this uh, month we're talking about uh, Kata, dead or alive, and basically what makes a Kata living, what makes a Kata alive, and um, I hope you find it interesting. Um, there's some unusual analogies in this uh, podcast. <laughs> so I, I did consider calling the podcast uh, Kata of Zombies and Strawberries, which, uh, <laughs> uh, but I decided against that. But when you listen to it, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that. Okay, that's, that's enough for the introduction. We'll uh, now go into the main piece. And be sure to stay tuned right to the very end for some other little bits of uh, news that may be of interest. Okay, I'll hand you over to me. In this podcast, I want to discuss the difference between what I see as live kata and dead kata. Now, when karateka commonly talk about a kata being alive, what they are usually referring to is a vigorous performance as opposed to a, a lacklustre one. However, to my way of thinking, a kata needs to be far more than lively looking to be truly alive. And now, before we go any further, I think the first thing we need to do is determine exactly what we mean by the terms dead and alive. And this isn't as straightforward as it may at first seem. So the dictionary definitions would be as follows, you know, so for alive it'd be living, not dead, continuing in existence or use, uh, alert and active, animated, and dead is defined as no longer active, uh, uh, no longer alive, no longer functioning, i.e. the telephone has gone dead, uh, no longer current, relevant or important. Now, things get more complex if we try to get a scientific definition of dead. I mean, the, the line between living and dead is not as clear-cut as we may first think. Uh, for living things, dying is not a single momentary act, but it's a process. Therefore, depending how far along that process we are, it's not always simple to put something into one category or the other. Now, one of the many podcasts that I regularly listen to when I'm on my travels is the BBC's The Infinite Monkey Cage. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the show, it's a radio program uh, presented by physicist and TV presenter uh, Professor Brian Cox and the comedian Brian Ince. Each week they're joined by various experts and laymen and they discuss uh, the scientific topic that they've chosen and they seek to make sense of it in a light-hearted way for the listening public. I find it a very entertaining and educational listen, which is why it's one of the podcasts automatically set to download to my to my iPhone so I can listen to it while on planes and in airports and while driving and so on. So they discussed death and at one point during the discussion the example of a strawberry was used by one of the panellists. I mean the question was asked is, is a strawberry alive or dead? Now on the one hand an individual strawberry that has been separated from the plant that created it and maintained it uh, is no longer receiving sustenance, it is no longer able to grow and it will start to rot. So in that sense it's dead. However, the seeds on the surface of the strawberry are capable of growing into new plants. So in that sense, the strawberry is still alive and able to complete its life cycle. Um, the question of strawberry death, sometimes philosophically, sometimes comedically, was returned to in quite a few subsequent episodes. Now, my take on that philosophical conundrum was to work with the definition of death as being in a state where it is irreversibly impossible to fulfill its function. Uh, the strawberry is therefore not dead until such a time as, as it is incapable of producing new strawberry plants. Now, it was while thinking about this that um, it struck me that kata can exist in a similar state to the strawberry, and that strawberry death, believe it or not, is a pretty good analogy for the life cycle of a kata. 
As I see it, there are three key parts of a strawberry or any other berry's life cycle. So you've got the first phase, is the plant grows and produces berries. You've got phase two, where the berry becomes separated from the plant. And you've got phase three, where the seeds encased in the berry germinate, grow, and a new plant is produced. So likewise, I would suggest that Kata has a similar life cycle. So phase one, a fighting system is developed and eventually produces a Kata. Now the berry is not the plant, and the Kata is not the fighting system. However, both encapsulate the essence of them perfectly. The Kata is made up of solo reenactments of techniques and drills that encapsulate the core combative principles of the fighting system. The Kata therefore captures the essence of the system. It's DNA or genetic code, if you will. It's not the fighting system, but it succinctly captures everything needed to recreate it. So phase two is the Kata becomes separated from the fighting system that created it. Now this will happen as soon as the founder or founders of the fighting system are no longer around. In the case of karate, this could be because the creator uh, moved to another location, i.e. back to China, as is said to have happened with Kashanku, Chinto, Wanshu and so on. It could also be because the founder had died. Either way, you now have students with the kata and they will be using that as a repository of knowledge in order to ensure the continuity of the fighting system that birthed it. So return to our strawberry analogy, this would like, uh, be like the strawberry separated from the plant. It is no longer growing or receiving sustenance, but it is, uh, it is still as another part of the life cycle to go. And separation from the plant is a key part of that life cycle. That that ensures that when the original plant does die, the essence of that plant will continue. So at phase three, uh, the cutter is practiced and studied and a living fighting system is produced. Now this new system is still totally based on the principles of the originating system and it will be largely indistinguishable from it in pretty much the same way that all strawberries and strawberry plants look and taste the same. However, while it may be the same in essence, at a DNA level if you will, it is now new. Now I may end up moving and fighting exactly like my teacher, but I'm not my teacher. The underlying essence may be the same, but the body housing the system is different. I will then pass the cutter on to my own students, and in doing so I may make my own small, own small adjustments in a kind of martial evolution, and then the cycle obviously continues. So back to the primary question of whether a cutter is alive or dead. As we have discussed, there will come a point in the cutter cycle where it is detached from its source, but it has not yet become fully assimilated by the person studying the cutter. At this point, the cutter is like a berry. It can be viewed as being both alive or dead, depending on your viewpoint. However, for me, the cutter is still very much alive if it is in a state where it remains able to fulfill its function. What determines if a cutter is alive or dead is not how energetically it is performed, but whether it is able to grow and give expression to the essence within. The berry that is planted and allowed to grow is alive. The berry that is left to rot is dead. Likewise, the cutter is only truly alive if it is allowed to continue its life cycle by growing into a very similar fighting system to the one that created it. And here's the key point. Although things are changing, and changing rapidly, the majority of karateka still collect the berries. These berries are not planted or allowed to grow. The cutter is not studied and trained correctly, such that it can fulfill the purpose for which it was created. 
If all a person ever does is acquire solo forms, then the cattle will never be able to grow and it will die with that person. The person who studies the cattle understands the combative principles it encapsulates and who is able to ingrain those principles such they are habitual and able to be freely expressed in conflict is giving the cattle life. They are allowing it to fulfill its life cycle. In such a person, the cattle finds itself in fertile ground and it will grow strongly. A person who fails to see the cattle as part of a wider process and fixates solely on the solo form is like barren soil. The cattle simply can't grow and it will wither and die. So let's turn to our, our dictionary definitions of alive and dead and see how that may impact on how we view cattle from this perspective. So if you remember, our first definition of alive was living, not dead. And well, that's pretty self-explanatory and doesn't really give us much. Uh, the next definition was continuing in existence or use. Now, to be alive, a cat certainly needs to be continuing in existence. And there's no doubt many cat which are lost to history. Um, you know, they're effectively dead to us. However, the cat that is not part of a wider process is only alive in the same way that a strawberry is alive. If left, the, um, that individual cat will wither and die in the person who it is being passed on to. It is only when the cat is continued in use that it is alive to its fullest. And just as a strawberry that goes on to produce a new plant has fulfilled its ultimate purpose. Uh, so the next definition was alert and active, animated. Now the berry that ultimately grows is the animated one. It can grow, it can move, it can thrive. The berry that is not planted can't move in any sense, it can only decay. So again, to be alive, you know, we need to plant those seeds. We need to study the cutter and give it free reign. Now let's look at the other side of the coin with the definitions of dead. So the first one was no longer alive. And again, that's obvious and doesn't help us much. Uh, the next one we had was uh, no longer functioning, i.e., you know, the phone has gone dead. Now, from our previous discussion in this podcast, this definition would seem to be the key. When cutter is divorced from its function, i.e. the preservation of combative systems and the establishment of habitual actions within the individual practitioner of that system, then it has gone dead. It is no longer able to fulfill its function, and thereby, you know, by these definitions, that cat is dead. Uh, the next definition is no longer current, relevant, or important. Now, cat becomes irrelevant when it can't do what it was designed to do. It becomes pointless, and hence it's abandoned and becomes obsolete. Now, it is we bunkai types, you know, the people listening to this podcast, that are showing that cat is current, relevant, and important. And we do that through ensuring, ensuring that the cat can fulfill its purpose. We show people how cattle can be alive and breathe through the applications we show and the process we explain. If it were left to the berry collectors, then cattle would die permanently and karate with it. As it is, I think we are securing a future for karate and it's a healthy and bright future too. For cattle to be alive, it must be part of a wider process. It is the seed that the fighting systems of the past produced. The seed can only truly live when it's allowed to grow and thrive. Kata must be practiced. The applications of kata must be understood. And more importantly, the combative principles that those applications encapsulate must be internalized through drills and life practice with life partners, such that those principles form habits. Habits that we will fight in accordance with. The kata is then living and breathing within us. It, uh, it is fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. It is not lying dormant awaiting the inevitable rot. It is alive and thriving every time we move, every time we train, and every time we're forced to protect ourselves and those we love.
The vigorous performance of the solo form is an important part of the process. We need to move with full intent and with a warrior's mind when performing kata. Our body, our breath, our intent should all be unified. But this alone is not enough to ensure the kata is truly alive. You know, a zombie looks alive and it's pretty damn scary to behold, but, but it's dead within. And likewise, some energetic performances of kata look lively and they can be pretty scary to look at, in inverted commas, but we don't want zombie kata, we want true living kata. Now, as an aside, zombies are creatures that, you know, don't think... The lumber about the place with no real purpose and direction, other than to consume the brains of the people around them, such that there are more zombies about the place. Now, a lot of modern kata sees people look scary, again in inverted commas, while they move about the place with no real purpose or direction. And like zombies, the proponents of such practices will also try to remove your brains and make you just like them if you're not careful. Um, <laughs> well, I think I must be. I think we're making crap history. I have. I'm comparing Kata to both zombies and strawberries in a single piece, so um, I would say either on its own is pretty unique, but I think I'm definitely blazing uh, new trails here. <laughs> uh, anyway, to summarise, right, Kata is ultimately part of a martial life cycle. Uh, it exists to ensure the continuity of information through the generations to provide a supplementary form of solo practice and, as part of a process, to ensure that combative principles are internalised and made habitual such that they can be freely applied in the ever-changing world of conflict. To be alive, Kata needs to be able to fulfil the purpose for which it was created. It is not how vigorously you perform the solo Kata that makes it live, but ensuring that the Kata is part of a wider process. Kata as a whole should be alive, because it's when Kata is alive that Karate is alive. And as such, you know, that karate, that living karate, will retain its place as one of the world's most popular martial arts. As always, I hope you found that uh, interesting and of some uh, use to you. Just a couple of quick uh, things to bring it to uh, the podcast to an end. Uh, first thing is obviously just, you know, thanks very much for, for listening. And as I always do, I really like to thank, uh, those who have organized the seminars, who've been to the seminars, who've bought the books, the downloads of DVDs. As I, you know, say a lot, these things, podcasts or the online videos, everything else, they're all free to anyone who wants them, but they're not free to make. So it's those people who make that contribution that enable me to kind of keep putting this material out. So obviously I'm, I'm very grateful to you. And I'm also just at the point of thank you to everyone who's left uh, positive reviews for this podcast on iTunes as well. Uh, really appreciate that. It does help. So um, if you like these podcasts and you want to help me out, um, that would be something you know I'd really appreciate you uh, you doing. Just pop along to iTunes and uh, let everyone know what you think about the podcasts. Uh, the next podcast, uh, hopefully, again, it won't be as big a gap, although I know I've said that before, but, <laughs> uh, but the next podcast is going to be on uh, what constitutes a karate technique or not. Uh, we often have this discussion where people will go, you know, that's not a karate technique, or that's a such and such technique, or that's a judo, and I want to kind of discuss the roundabout that as when is a technique not a karate technique, and what does it need to do to qualify as a karate technique, you see, so um, hopefully they'll find that uh, that of interest as um, as well, so. And just one final thing is just, I'd like to remind everyone about the uh, the World Combat Association. If you are a like-minded martial artist and you like what we do and you agree with the general ethos, the WCA might be an organisation uh, you wish to be a part of. So for those that know the history of that, 
I, on my travels, have realised there is lacking an organisation which is kind of pretty much politics-free, is open to all, is international, and is dedicated to the kind of practical application of the, the, the martial arts. You know, that's its primary ethos. And um, so I was looking to set something al along with those lines, and obviously I chatted with uh, Peter Considine and Jeff Thompson, and uh, we have set up the WCA as a result. So we've got members coming in all the time, all over the world. It, it's it's going really, really well. Uh, if you don't know enough about that yet, and you want to see if it's for you, just pop across to the World Combat Association website, which so is worldcombatassociation.com. And what you could also do is like the World Combat Association Facebook page, or follow along at the Twitter feed as well. So because um, I make regular contributions on there as well. So. The way that organisation works is obviously Jeff Thompson, 8th uh, Dan, and Peter Considine, 9th Dan. We should need no introduction. They're the uh, chief instructors of the organisation, with myself fulfilling the role of the chief international instructor, being the one who does all the, the travelling. So. Um, but yeah, maybe something for you to check out, and it's a while since I've mentioned it. So anyway, thanks once again for, uh, for listening to the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. I'll be back with one soon on what constitutes a karate technique. Uh, and until we next speak, um, stay lucky and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks now. Bye.